Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. There are no survivors. There are no survivors. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe we dabble in history, stress, and euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and every damn week. It's a show where we break down each and every film in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise Two, I said two, that is two, Heather, two blimey minutes at a time. It's a little escape to a time where disease really did run rampant and dental hygiene was blasphemy. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from... Oh my god. I'm Heather something You forgot. From. So you know the web... You maybe know the URL on the website now, maybe. but you forgot your name. So season yeah. three, we're seeing a uh, like a, a rotation on that. The opposite. You can never remember the URL. Now this time you can't remember your name. Yeah, I don't know it. Okay, go. From BlackPearlShow.com. And what was your name again? Heather. There you go. Okay. I just wasn't sure you knew what was going on. But I can tell you how, like, I can't tell you how excited I am right now. We're setting sail on season three. But I thought you just said you can tell us. Now you can't tell us? I can't us? tell you how excited I am. I can and then I can't. It's, it's been such a long break during season two and with us kind of going back and forth on what was actually planned to, we were going to do with season three here at World's End. I finally just needed to nail it down. Get the show a rockin'. That's what we needed to do. Get this boat a-rockin', is what I have to say. Don't come a-knockin'. That's true. Don't want to see that pirate action. (laughs) (laughs) It's the red carpet premiere. I'm, of course, in my tux. Heather, is that an Oscar de la Renta or a Valentino gown you're in? Valentino. Valentino, that's what I thought. I mean, it's okay if you wanted to wear Oscar, but it's hot in the studio, and it's not even that hot outside. It's like 80 degrees, but we got to shut in, you know, keep the noise out. Or so, attempt to. So in my tux, I'm burning up. It's like burning hell right now. But I needed to do. Uh, I needed to to bring the the air of show business and high society here. That's why I did it. It only took him 45 minutes to dress like that. <laughs> that is true. Did take me a long time, and that's a blatant office reference. There, we're absolutely stunning. I'll just say that. At least one of us is, anyways. And I'm all ready to pirate it up. Why? Thank you. No, that was for me, actually. I was stunned with myself. But as mentioned, it's time for the 168-minute behemoth that we're about to tackle at World's End. And that means you can all settle down and settle back for the next 84 for weeks. A long, <laughs> a long ride. 84 weeks, and I don't expect anybody to get up and move. You just got to plant it there and stay there. It's like that. I imagine the audience for the 84 weeks, it's like that old Hulu commercial. I remember the people sat down in their chairs to watch Hulu or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And then all to of a sudden. To binge watch. Yeah, yeah. And then it shows them like giant beards and. They the male co- coming in. Yeah. And they have yeah. never moved. 
that's what it's like, I think, for everybody out there. At least that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. That's kind of how I am. Women it. normally don't grow beards like that, though. <laughs> well, if they sit there long enough, maybe they do. But we settled into the two minutes of movie covered per weekly episode kind of structure. We've tried a few different things over the course of the last two seasons, and I think the last moment we decided to keep what was working or what seemed to be working. We retired Pirate Word of the Week, too. Yes, Poor we Pirate did. Word of the Week. That's now hung at the gallows, I guess. And we're bringing but an entirely new segment, though. Pirate Fact of the Week, mateys. So that should be good. Yes, hopefully. Uh, see, this Heather's in charge of Pirate Fact of the Week, and now she's already bumming me out, like Pirate Word of the Week. We never knew what was actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> we're also bringing back the recurring segment really bad eggs and at the end of the month we'll each highlight our favorite line from the past eight minutes so basically once a month at the end of the month we'll kind of highlight from that month's lines what was our favorite one and why bringing that back what else anything i'm missing hmm. i don't think so okay oh i almost for i did forget something though Guess i wanted to to thank a few listeners for recent feedback as well oh. as a great clip of a Pirates of the Caribbean song set to the tune of Hey There, Delilah, written and performed by Katie Turberg. And I say this kind of finger quote because my history of pronouncing names on the show is subpar. Let's just, I'm going to admit that right away. So no promises, but I gave it a shot. I should have probably asked her just for the official pronunciation. The last time I've done it, I got blasted and, you know, not blasted, but I was like, oh, this is how you say it. I'm like, oh my God. I even went to the internet. I did this stuff. And even though I thought I was solid gold, I wasn't. But anyways, it's called Hey There, Elizabeth. It's sung from the perspective of Will Turner. And I don't think uh, she needs any more introduction or the song needs any more introduction. So I'm going to play a clip and then we'll go from there. Hey there, Elizabeth, what's it like in your mansion? We have known each other for so long. Now you look tall and handsome, yes you do. Port Royal can compete with you. You know it's true. Hey there, Elizabeth, I heard that you were taken. Norrington wants to take time to plan, but I think he's mistaken, Elizabeth. I say your name under my breath. I'd risk my death. Oh, it's what you do to me. 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 What you do to me. Hey there, Elizabeth, there's so much left to say, but everything got promptly ruined on that cursed wedding day apart again. This is a tear that I will mend until the end. Hey there, Elizabeth, my purpose now has risen. My father's bound to the Dutchman, not dead, but imprisoned, Elizabeth. I'll square with Jones and make a bet. I'll get the chest. Oh, it's what you do to me. 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 What you do to me. Promise me that you won't cry for I actually love it. Oh, me too. I mean, she did a great job. Yeah, she gets Elizabeth's story into like a single song. I mean, it's nicely done. It's like bravo or brava. I'm doing the, the both things. Nicely done, Katie. 
I mean, she originally shared this in our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group, but I'll post the link in our actual Facebook page, and then I think I'll add it to the show notes as well. So when it posts that way, people can go listen to it in its entirety. There you go. Nicely done. Thanks for sharing, and thanks for listening and being a part of the Cursed Listeners Crew group on Facebook. We also received some very nice emails, podcast reviews, messages, all that stuff while we were on our mini hiatus. I mean, I call that a mini hiatus because we like disappeared for so long during season two that being gone for a month was nothing. But thanks to everyone for all the support and so many new listeners out there. We've had a spike of people listening in Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. And even down under. I I tried to throw in a little bit there, but that's because I used to work with somebody from Australia and New Zealand. So I get, I'm getting the vibe there. But I'll share that note from Roger in Melbourne next week, along with a special presentation of his musical pirate talent as well. Okay, so I can't it's, wait. it's just awesome. Yeah, we're getting yeah. all this cool feedback and things. And I also wanted to shout out to Nostromo Joe, John S. Williams, Mermaid Out of Water, Plastic Vulture. I think those are the recent ones. Uh, for their Apple podcast reviews, their recent ones. And of course, some other active listeners, including Cynthia Ann Hurt, Jeff Hamill, Kelvin Close, Daniel Hosington MacArthur, Terry Sheets, Jennifer Dinsmore, Doug Barbeau, and Brian Paula. There. Thanks to all of you and everyone else we've had kind of participating and, and all that kind of stuff. And then everybody that I haven't listed yet, maybe we'll do this periodically and give a shout out to people, but thought I would start to do a roster that way. I'm thanking everybody personally. Wow. As much as possible. Obviously, I don't know everybody. If I mean, Scott I am trying. forget you, he is extremely sorry. I know. I'm trying to track everybody. Every episode has like tracking cookies and things that I put in it <laughs> and, and videos that I can peer into people's houses like through their, you know, ring systems and stuff. Stalker. Yeah, it is a little bit, but I, I just want to give that personal thanks, that, that pirate thanks to them. And what's more pirate than peeping on them, I guess. I don't know. Digitally peeping in video. You can see all those videos at the Cursed Listeners Crew group. Just go ahead and find us on Facebook. I'll be in the the creepy jail soon. As far as Pirates of the Caribbean 6 news goes, though, I didn't even check. I figured nothing new has popped up over the last month except clickbait. So I didn't even go there. Instead, I thought before we actually officially take a drop at the gallows here with the first two minutes of At World's End, I think it can only be one thing. I think it's time for only one thing. It can only be our debut of Pirate Fact of the Week. Fact. Bears eat beets. Bears. Beets. Captain Jack Sparrow, pirate so brave, on the seven seas. Woohoo, this is exciting. <laughs> For Pirate Fact of the Week? Yes. Or are you just excited because of the intro to Pirate Fact of the Week? I mean, the intro. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not the Pirate the Fact. You awesome. just like the, the melding of the office and... The Lonely Island's uh, Jack Sparrow song. I get it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So our pirate fact of the week has to do with, actually, the minutes coming up. Perfect. So in the minutes coming up, you have the gallows. Yeah. Okay. So my pirate fact of the week is relatively few pirates are actually hung for their crimes or met colorful, gruesome ends. Hmm. And so what does that mean? Most pirates died from fighting, shipwrecks, or disease. On a long voyage, it was not uncommon uncommon for a captain to lose half his crew to disease such as typhoid, malaria, or scurvy, and dysteria. 
Wow. Yeah. Which makes sense. Hey, and that ties into the opener that I was talking about. Kind of our friendly walk into the past of when disease really ran rampant. Exactly. There you go. And one more little fact. Blackbeard suffered 22 blows before his head was chopped off and hung from the bowsprit uh-huh. as a warning to so, all others. But you said that they didn't have a colerful death. That's pretty colorful. Okay, he may be an well, exception an to the exception, rule. Well, he's an exception, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's not too bad. Yeah. And maybe with some of those diseases, I, I could you could make a case that they are colorful, literally, because they're changing colors <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. That's so true. I guess it's, Very a, true. it's about definitions here. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Pirate fact of the week. Awesome. Yeah. And it ties in. Ties in? We're going to try to tie it in. It's all downhill from Can't here. Can't say it's going to tie in every time. No, it's all down here. Down, it's possible. Down, downhill. I can't even talk. Season three. That's what's happening. First episode. Yeah. Minute one begins with the Disney CGI logo that debuted in 2006 on Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and was used as an opening logo until Winnie the Pooh until 2011. That's kind of like my parenthetical uh, bullet point note in the minute breakdown because it's really not that exciting of where we start. Anyways, it continues with the Bruckheimer Films animated logo. Minute two ends with the shackled pirates, or persons associated with pirates, being led to the gallows. As they shuffle towards their deaths, Lieutenant Theodore Groves continues reading suspension of rights and says, shall be sentenced to hang by the neck until dead. D-E-D, dead. We talked about the Disney and Bruckheimer logos when we started Dead Man's Chest, so I don't think we need to revisit any of that. Yeah, they're the same logos. But I still love it, though. I mean, it's the epitome of the Magic Kingdom wrapped into 32 seconds. The imagery, the music, it's like a punch to the bag on nostalgia. And that's my childhood, a punch to the bag. (laughs) Oh, no, I mean the nostalgia. That's what it is. The Disney nostalgia. That's what it is. Not a lot of punchings to the bag when I was a kid. But the nostalgia was heavy. And that's what I really like about that. I could watch that opener all the time. I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice and calming. It is calming. Huh? That like could, with the music and everything, it's nice that and could calming. Help my, that could ease my mind. Maybe that's what I need to play at night. Play it every night, all yeah. night long? Yeah, all night long. I'm going to just have it going. But what is so opposite of the logo is the completely somber opening so far. It's the dour <laughs> hour called At World's End. And that will be my running theme, I think, probably through this whole cold open. So, for lack of a better description, I'm just going to call it the cold open for right now because it's kind of like the kickstart of the movie before the title or anything like that. But I have to point out that as we continue through the next few episodes, I'm going to probably hit this theme a little bit here and there. And, the and cold also, open? Yeah, the with the whole kind of opening sequence here. Oh, okay. And before we hit like the title, it's like this dour kind of thing and somberness. But everything we need to know are in these first few images. It's the noose and the waving East India Company flag. Both play off the hammer on the head kind of thing of this. uh, There's like smacking you right in the face with the sun, right? Because the sun is in both of these things. It's right, it's behind the flag. It's like kind of framing with the noose and things like that. And so the sun generally kind of represents life. It's like influence and strength, okay? Which... With the noose, it's weird because it's like it's almost being taken away by the noose. It's like, here's the representation of strength and life. And then we have the noose. So it's like polar opposites happening there, right? Yeah. And then you have the flag of the East India Company in front of the sun where the sun's coming through. And it's almost like that's the strength 
too. It's like showing that the East India Company has all this strength behind it. It's like the the ruler of the land. I mean, it the, the company has the grip on the Caribbean at this point. Yeah. It's got its hands around the neck of the Caribbean, basically. Yeah. And so from kind of noose to flag to shackles, and this is my favorite part of the movie and a hell of a beginning because it shows like how a filmmaker showcases dominance here. Jack is dead at the end of Dead Man's Chest, and then we find ourselves in a world where the evil tyrant Beckett is, like, flexing his power. Right at the beginning. Yeah. It's just, boom, there it is. It's it's not even, like, Jack's escape is coming on, you know, it, it's, it's just really, it's it's like a whole kind of different feel, I think. Well, I have Dead known... Man's Chest was a little bit of a somber opening, yeah. somewhat, but not, it had some comedy moments. This is a little bit different. Well, I thought it was a pretty pretty brutal way to start a movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's even more so than the beginning of Curse of the Black Pearl. I mean, that had some stuff going on. Yeah. But this, I think, is kind of a whole different ball game with, with the noose. I mean, the first image is a noose. I mean, I don't know what well, to say about that. I was, I was sitting here watching this minute, because it's only one minute. The yeah. opening's one, and then this is one. Yeah. So I was sitting here watching this minute, and I'm thinking to myself, this is... A movie kids would watch. Kind of interesting the way you started this movie. <laughs> We've got, I mean, this first minute, there's 28 people dying on the oh, is that what Did you count it? Yeah. 28, nice. 28. So Seven Disney per is saying, suspension. come to Pirates of the Caribbean. It's a gallo of, of a good time. Yeah. Come to Pirates of the Caribbean. Show your kids a hanging. <laughs> exactly. I can see that. See? But Disney movies have always had an element of death to them. Yeah. I mean, if we go well, back yeah. and really look at it. So it's Bambi's like... mom dies. They just kind of double down yeah. on it, though. It's like, you know, we teased all these deaths before in the animation. You know, I'm tired of it. Let's just get it over with and bring out the noose for the children. <laughs> Let's show the kids a really good time. <laughs> That's what it is. And normally, you know, you have... When they're hanging people, you have spectators. Yeah. In, in, you know, during that time. Well, at this point, there's only like military spectators. Yeah. Everybody else is in line to be hung. Yeah. So it's pretty much everybody is being uh, yeah. wiped out. Yeah. I get Beckett that. decided he only wanted military hey, on. Beckett needs to get rid of his peeps <laughs> out <the> there. Fort. <laughs> it's easier to rule when We're, there's no people to rule. That's true. Then he can sit, you know, just sit there and kick back with his. Well, we can't go that far. We're not that far down the. The movie, but he can kick back, I imagine, in his plush office. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about anybody. Yeah. Here's the other uh, framing, the shot kind of expertise exhibited in the opener. Um, as Groves is reading off all the suspension of rights, after each basic right we kind of hold dear today, the executioner pulls the trap door yeah. to, to hang the so called criminals. Yeah. So it's like after each one, it's like a clunk. suspended clunk. Yeah. Suspended, clunk. I mean, the sound effects that play such a big role in this is just creates a great impact. And it's just like each one is being, each right is being taken away and then literally taking the life of somebody as he says it. Yeah. It'd be nice maybe if these people could hear that their rights are being suspended before you just hang all right? them all. It goes to show you, he doesn't really give a rat's ass. <laughs> it's also interesting that so much is feet related in this minute have you noticed that in this opener it's incredible did you okay here we go now i'm setting the scene for you did you notice because i want to set this <laughs> Thank right because i don't know if people do did, did you notice 
that one of the first things we see is the shackled ankles and feet, right? Yeah, Walking. with sandals okay? on. Okay. Then we see the feet dangling under the gallows. Yep. Okay. And then we watch them harvesting the shoes from the dead, right? Uh-huh. So bring out your dead, everybody. <laughs> so not only that... When the bodies are on the cart being taken away, the camera holds on the first guy's feet and then pans and pulls tighter on the feet of the guy hanging off the back of the damn cart. So what's up with the feet? It's a good question. Because if that wasn't enough, the camera then lifts from watching the next group ascend the stairs of the gallows, a clear shot of their feet before lifting to the frame the people of them like reaching the platform. So as you're saying, I want to know what the hell is going on here. And my only first, or my first guess is, does Verbinski have a foot fetish? That's what I want to know. Or the cameraman. Or the cameraman. Verbinski's like, Somebody. damn it, man. Why do you keep focusing on the feet? I had these shots all storyboarded out and all he's got is feet here, man. But yeah, he yeah. has a hell of a foot What's fetish. What's up with the feet? A dirty foot fetish. Right, <laughs> they're filthy. They're, everybody's Not that filthy. there's anything yeah. wrong with that out there, folks, but come on. And not that I want to read into this with more like symbolism after I just talked about the sun. You know, it's the very first episode of season three. So I don't want to overplay my symbol hand already is basically what I'm trying to say. I did come across some info in which a foot without a shoe is a symbol of a disembodied soul. Really? And that makes sense to me. These disheveled pirate lovers or accomplices or pirates, you know, they're all mixed in. And acquaintances. Okay, acquaintances are perhaps like wrongfully being put to death and thus being separated from their bodies. And this totally plays into a future scene in the film. These kind of unjustified deaths. Mm-hmm. These people are kind of being somewhat ghostly, if you want to call it that. You know, the, the the spirit's not at ease because of the way they were killed yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. That's just kind of my guess, is that there's this heavy disembodied soul aspect of the feet, this symbol of it, and then that plays out into... Uh, the rest of the movie with Davy Jones Locker and stuff we won't get into right now because we're only in minute two, one and two. Yeah. But we do get a list of rights being suspended thanks to our friend Groves here. Yeah, I'm going to shoot the messenger here. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. Beckett really is the one handing things down. Lord Cutler Beckett, right? Yes. But there was the right to assembly. And it's not something I really found as a right bestowed upon the people of Britain at the time. It's absent from the English Petition of Rights in 1628 the English Bill of Rights in 1689, and of course, the granddaddy of all docs, the Magna Carta from 1215. Not there. Huh. Right to assemble? He didn't Didn't even do that. He could have just said, I don't really have a bullet point for number one, so just pull the hammer down, executioner. And then they didn't even really need anything. They could, instead of being like, oh my God, we have a right to assemble? Ah! You know, that's what I was living for. But no, they don't. I got a bit of information on that. Okay. Right to assembly was not... Peaceful right to assembly. Well, whatever. Was not... How dare you? (laughs) ...protected by any law in the world until Napoleonic Code 200 years after the movie is set. Well, there you go. See, I was right, and I didn't even have the Napoleonic Code. It's like a pirate codex at hand. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So 200 years later. So... Right to Assembly was not. Unfortunately, that one's debunked. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe, uh... Lord Cutler Beckett was at this point was making up things just like he's like, I really love the play of when you drop the the hammer down and people get hung right when we say we've taken something away from them. So he's just making stuff up or he's sitting there going, I'll never get a right to assembly because it's 200 years from now. <laughs> but no. Uh, then also habeas corpus. 
It's definitely a product of the time. So this gets a, a gold check mark. The Habeas Corpus Act of 1679 is an act of Parliament in England during the reign of King Charles II. It was passed by what became known as the Habeas Corpus Parliament. It's also my nickname. To define and strengthen the ancient writ of habeas corpus, which required a court to examine the lawfulness of a prisoner's detention and thus prevent unlawful or arbitrary imprisonment, or in this case, hangings. So basically, these victims had no say. They no say nothing. To on that they didn't do anything wrong. And Cutler Beckett just went around saying everybody did something wrong exactly. and killed them all. That's correct. There's also the. Do you think uh, he wanted their money? <laughs> these poor folk didn't have no money, their no. land. Their land? Yeah. I don't even know if they had land. All these people were renters. <laughs> they were renting stuff from the English there. You're telling me these people had stuff? No. Look at them. No? I don't think so. I think these So they are... were just basically town folk. Working man. <laughs> town Some folk. of them <laughs> That's were working men. something to be ashamed about. You're just no, like I never said. Pushing them into simply town folk. <laughs> <laughs> we well, you said they mere, don't have anything. These mere plebeians, we don't have to care about them. I well, mean, we don't have to give them rights or obviously anything. Obviously, Beckett didn't think <laughs> they did. Do he they did. look like wealthy landowners to you? No, they're all pretty dirty. Yeah, that's actually. what I thought. But maybe they're working the land, and that's why they're dirty. Working somebody's land, yeah. <laughs> that's not what they are. <laughs> that's what they're doing. They ain't got nothing. They ain't got jack. <laughs> Certainly, plays into this one, the right to legal counsel, because... They didn't have any legal counsel because uh, the Prisoner's Counsel Act of 1836, and it was until then that defendants did not have the formal right of being represented by a lawyer in English courts. Although, from the mid-18th century, such had been routinely indulged where defendants could afford them. So, these folks ain't hiring lawyers. That was not a right. So, I bogus that one. Now, a jury of their peers, all their peers were there, so they could have... Won that. That's true. Because a jury of the peers was a right as early as the Magna Carta, again, 1215, and again included in the English Petition of Rights of 1628. So, jury of their peers. There you go. And they would have all won it and not been killed. But he suspended it. Poor, poor, measly town folk, as Heather would call them. (laughs) Now that we're all half-assed schooled in 18th century English law, I'm just wondering... Are we going to get like a certificate or college credit for this? Yes. And everybody out there listening to this can then submit their names to Heather. She'll type up a certificate and mail it to you. <laughs> Limit to 10,000 people. And it has to be handwritten in, in the style of the 1800s. So yep. that's what 1800s. That's what I want you to send out. For uh-huh. like the next year, you'll be handwriting these things. We are brought to you this week by Urban Bird Foundation. Start conserving birds in your community today at urbanbird.org shop. Make a symbolic owl adoption for yourself or a friend and help grassroots bird conservation and wildlife rescues. I know many of you are wondering just why in the Blooming Cockroaches I'm talking about Urban Bird Foundation on a show about Pirates of the Caribbean. But come on, have you seen what Cotton's Parrot has gone through? Chased by cannibals, weathered the Kraken, avoided cannon explosions, and even miraculously survived a trip back underwater from Davy Jones's locker. Clearly, Pirates of the Caribbean need some bird love. You can give birds a helping hand, mateys. You know you can't have a Disney pirate without a bird. So save a pirate by saving birds at urbanbird.org shop. Urban Bird Foundation. Birds. People. Communities. Let me, okay, let me talk about this then. Okay. Since I'm on kind of a history kick. I mean, I definitely... Oh, I did. Sorry. 
I did have Gallo stuff, but you can go this ahead is and do still, your history. This is kind of part okay. of it. Okay, it's still history. And, and if you have stuff on Gallows, maybe that's history too. But I definitely wanted to mention the shoes. That's one big pile of shoes. Oh, yeah. And I So that, that's more than 28 people. <laughs> so they were hanging people before they started suspending people. the rights. That's correct. Those other people were even lower than, as Heather called they them, They didn't get any folk. rights. They just got... <laughs> no, they were just town folk, yeah. so they didn't get anything. They were lower than town folk. They were vagabonds from ships. And so um, they were just done away with. Oh, okay. But they, I, were, they were considered pirates then. That's correct. Okay. And I obviously thought that collecting shoes from the neck stretchers, or whatever we want to call these poor souls, had to do with the expense and kind of the labor involved in getting and making shoes at the time. It's like... It's much better to recycle than to throw away a poor pirate's perfectly good pair of worn out shoes. Yes. And I thought, okay, that is maybe well, they why had cobblers doing it. back then, so he needs. But it, they it just took needed a to be cobbler. I think it cobbled. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a nice cobbler right now. <laughs> different kind of cobbler. Oh, different kind. But I came across this tidbit, and I thought it, it was probably laborious to to make shoes, and then to have to buy them and expensive or whatever. Oh yeah. But this was an interesting tidbit. It's it's from a foreign view of England in the reigns of George the First and George the Second, and it's kind of like eyewitness to history kind of stuff at the time. And so a visiting Frenchman revealed his observations of 18th century English English uh, judicial system. Right? Yeah. And so he was commenting just about things, but this is the part that captured it. It wasn't necessarily his thoughts, but it was kind of like here's here's his experiences. And hanging was the principal, okay, this part isn't, but here's the, the backstory. Hanging was a principal method of execution in England from the 1700s until capital punishment was abolished in 1964. Yeah, can you believe that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's unless crazy, you, right? We're hanged, but it's, it's hard to, you think of hangings as such old school, like 1800s yeah. Old West or earlier, no, not, not 1960s. But anyways, here's, here's what the Frenchman saw. Not in the 60s, but earlier. The bodies and clothes of the dead belong to the executioner. So relatives must, if they wish for them, had to buy them from the executioner. And unclaimed bodies were sold to surgeons to be dissected. Oh, really? So the moral to this tale is that the executioner is making bank off shoes. That's what he was. He's like, yeah. they're collecting all these shoes and these things. So for the executioner, they belong to him. How many people actually bought their loved one's shoes back? That's well, what I was in just this saying. case, nobody's buying anything back because they're all being killed. But there was expensive, so you just didn't want to like bury someone in perfectly good, good pair of shoes. shoes and clothes. You, wa you wanted to keep them because it was hard to come by. It's not like you just went to the store called Amazon. It's like we gotta have money for it. We're working land. We don't have the money. Maybe we could just reuse these things. It's, yeah. it's, and that was a thing that went on for a long time. I think just even with hand-me-down clothes and stuff like that. Nothing was just thrown out if it could be used. Yeah. And so I think this is one of those things. You know what I found interesting? They were taking the shoes, but they weren't taking the head, whatever was on people's heads. Yeah, I don't, uh, That that's a good point. I don't know, maybe shoes were worth more or could be sold. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing though, this whole scene is just pretty impactful though with the whole pile of shoes. I mean, that's a lot of executions. Yeah. I mean, the number of people Beckett is killing is astounding and it, and I think it, again, plays into future scenes in the movie. I'm not necessarily saying all of these guys are kind of floating the river sticks, if you want to just say that for right now. Yeah. But I think it plays into a lot of what we see in the future. And the line is huge. You, I mean, you can't see the end of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's a line I would avoid. 
Oh, me too. So by the way, the gallows, that style of trapdoor, or trapdoor at all, was not used until the 1800s. So the the lever, the lever, as Gibbs would the say, lever, yeah, uh, pulling that did not exist. Right. Okay. So another doink against the gallows. Right. Come on, Verbinski. Okay, what? So what they used was like ladders and just kicked the ladders out from oh. under them. Or they used um, carts mm. and just pulled the carts away out from under them. Oh, yeah. Because when I was in that uh, that book I was just mentioning, they actually had an old school drawing fr- from the 1700s. It was in there. And it showed a guy that was getting hung. And he was standing on a cart, and so that the, the oh, horse yeah. would pull it away. So that's that's right. Yeah. So that was standard practice at the time. Yeah. Hmm. And then Gallows Point, that's what it's called, right? I didn't write it down. I'm trying to think now. I don't remember. Anyway. I know what you're talking about, But though. they didn't all, they had a dock. Gallows Dock? Gallows Dock? I don't Gallows know. Gallows Dock. Anyway. But they had, it. they were on a dock hanging people there. That's where they mainly hang pirates, right? And they'd hang them at low tide. Yeah. So when the water came up, it it would um, come up over them. I couldn't find if they used a cart or a ladder or if they just had pushed them off the dock. I'm not sure how they did that. But, you know, I assume they just pushed them off the I dock. I would think they probably just pushed them right off the dock. Yeah. And maybe, it swung it, out. maybe it was swing, yeah. a swing on the gallows. Or it could have just been, was... it could have just, I mean. Who knows? Really, you should have looked this up. You should have looked I at did, it. Did you look for an, there's no image of I this? I could not find any. I could not find an image of how it worked. No. Oh. Well, that's weird. Oh, may, well, maybe they don't want people hanging themselves and off I, the dock. So they got like, to take find, it away. I could not find details on how it was done. All I found was ladders and carts. But I assume when they're on a dock, they're just pushing somebody off. Probably. I can, I can imagine the... It's like it's hanging over the water. Yeah. And the rope, and they're standing on the dock, kind of just come in, and you push them off, and then they would just drop yeah. and have that big neck crack. There was a, a thing that was going around that said um, they actually hung pirates from shorter ropes than they mm. did normal people, so the drop wasn't as much, so they didn't die right away. Oh, that's brutal. So it was. But then it ends up, it doesn't seem like that really happened. Huh. But it was going around that that was A wives' tale? Yeah could see that. I mean, and I feel bad for the pirates when I hear that, but then I go, well, they were terrorizing and killing people. So I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll change my tune. But as somebody <laughs> talking pirates, that seems a little brutal. My my image is Jack Sparrow. Right. And I wouldn't necessarily want to no. see him hung, or Gibbs by, or, hung by a yeah. short rope. Yeah. Identified the, a few of the Gallo actors, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. I don't want to go through all of them, but I did find a couple that I thought were interesting, fairly interesting. Do you remember the woman crying while she was uh, taking the death shuffle? Yes. It's the latest dance craze, the death shuffle. Her name is Nicole Dion. She has more than 40 acting credits on her IMDb resume there. But the reason I bring her up is that she was a wench in Tales from the Code Wedlocked. Oh. Yeah, she was one of the ladies in that. So uh, besides acting, she's a casting director and keeping busy in show business. But I I thought that was like a Pirates of the Caribbean interesting connection that she's been in more than one of these things. Yeah. But here's the here's the real ringer of why I brought Gallo actors to the stage here to the to the microphone to the airwaves. Mark Casimir Denowitz Jr. I'm probably slaying this name. There's a lot of Y's and Z's and C's and W's in this name. But he's racked up an IMDb resume of you know 95 credits, and he's listed as pirate sentenced to death in At World's End. Okay. Yeah. 
And with those credits, he's knocked it out of the park, though, with his characters. So here we go. It's the top five roles by Mark Dinowitz, starting with number one, character role, weirdo. Number two, weirdo. weirdo. Number two, creepy biker dude. Wow. Number three, egg-eating man. Number four, straight Satan biker. Now, if you're going to be a Satan biker, you got to distinguish your preference. And straight just brings the character home, I think. Yeah. And then he follows that up in kind of the Satan feel with Valerie's creepy roommate. So it's nice to see that he's bringing a number of these things together, like weirdo and creepy when he's playing these parts. But as a bonus, he had numerous roles with cowboy in it, such as the slain cowboy or strip club cowboy or so a lot of these kinds of things. Yeah. He also had various addicts like heroin addict, uh, insane addict and those kinds of things. Okay. Which I actually, that one probably could have made the top five, but it was like insane heroin addict, insane asylum addict, that kind of stuff. Okay. And then he has, uh, of course, a few dudes in there as well. I already mentioned the creepy biker dude, but there was a few other dudes that were <laughs> populated in there as well. So uh, shout out to Mark Dinowitz for his uh, entertaining list of character actor roles. Still not on par with our very first run-in. And I always search for somebody that can beat that guy. And I can't think of his name right now. Lejean, maybe that was the actor who did Lejean. But anyways, that guy has top-notch character roles. But this one, not too bad. I mean, straight Satan biker. That's not too shabby. That one's pretty cool, actually. It is kind of cool. I like it. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night, our souls will rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on, back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, this my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea. There's not enough for me All I want is to be free And hail Captain Blood On and on eternally With the life of piracy Hail the curse of Gilmecki And hail Captain Blood and I thought I would try something new with this season though it, it, Not throughout the whole thing but we can kind of, it's, it's like throwing out a question and then we can revisit during the credits after like discussing the movie over the next 1.5 years, I say. So what are your current impressions of At World's End? I mean, do you remember seeing it in the theaters? What were your original thoughts? Any of that kind of stuff? I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but it was so long ago, you know. But do you have any impressions of it? The Before like the last time, do you have any impressions of watching it well, when we started this? What, what are your... When we turned it on the other day, I was like... Totally confused. I totally forgot what, what, what it was. You know, the, the the actual movie. I'm like, yeah. is that the right movie? Is that the... It's not one of the... You know, we watch Black... Uh, oh, my God. Somebody who does God. the... You even do this for a damn living, and you can't even remember Curse of the Black Pearl. We watch Curse of the Black Pearl most. Of course. We've who seen wouldn't? that multiple times. You know, multiple a lot, times? Well, a ton of times. But we haven't seen this movie as much. Yeah. And so at first, when we were watching it the other day, I'm like, did I put in the right movie? This doesn't seem right. I don't remember this stuff. Wait till you get to On Stranger Tides, and you're really not going to remember it then. No, I won't. For me, I think going into it is going to be interesting. I mean, I've definitely come to elevate the movie on my Pirates of the Caribbean ranking list, but I remember coming out of the theater doors 
kind of unquestionably putting this at number three out of three at the time. Mm. No question. It was at the bottom of the, the list when there was only three of them yeah. at the time. And now I'm not saying it's not number three out of five now, okay? And maybe and I'd have to think about that. But it was definitely at the bottom for me at the time. And I'm sure some of the issues I had are going to pop up as we break down the movie. But I also thought the entire Davy Jones's locker sequence was a bit strange. And I know you've heard me talk yeah. about that. And the recurrence of some of that locker trip later on. I mean, it is like a bad trip thing going on. Yeah. And the that Captain Jack Sparrow has some of this stuff pop up later in the movie again. It always kind of made me wonder what was going on or why, why are we doing this? Yeah. But part of my impression was a bit skewed looking back. And I remember that scene being so much longer than it me actually too. was. And when we just watched it again in preparation for this show and kind of just getting in the mood for it, I thought, this isn't as long as I thought it was. No, and, I thought it was it, like Cannibal, Cannibal Island. That's exactly what I'm saying. Link. For me, I mean, it doesn't... I, I did equate it to Pelagosto. It's like a 20-plus minute marathon scene. Yeah. But... And maybe it is. I have to. I haven't timed it yet. I figured we'd wait to it to get there. But the time doesn't feel like it's dragging on like I thought it did. No, I, and, d- I thought it did too. But yeah, it, didn't. it doesn't. Uh-huh. I'm, so I'm almost like completely shifting my opinion of it just from that. And I'll see what happens after we break it down and we actually talk about some of that craziness. But I'm waiting to to kind of get a point to where we can clock the time and see and discuss it. But it doesn't take me out of the movie like I thought it did or it allowed me to in 2007 or subsequent viewing. Yeah. It just doesn't now. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is way shorter. Yeah, me too. I thought it was so much longer, but I, I guess maybe I was just not happy with it at first, but now I'm like, well, it's not as long as I thought it was. Yeah. I don't know. So that was kind of my initial impression, and I'm looking forward to seeing... What, how does that change after we go through 84 episodes of this movie just talking about it and see how that gets changed? Yeah. Yeah. What else we got? Anything for the these minutes left? I mean, we touched on Groves previously, so I didn't think we needed to go over him again. Scene is, I mean, it's well played. Lots of crazy pirate death imagery, imagery so far. I don't know. So do you have anything else? And I'm sure we've touched on the Executioner before. Yeah, we did talk about him. Yeah, because he was in the other movies. Okay. Bring out your dead, y'all. That's what I had to say then. If that's where we're at. And talking about bringing out our freaking dead. Hey, it's the audience. I gotta mention them. Thanks for listening, Scallywags. We're found all over the podcatcher world from Apple Podcasts to iHeartRadio now. If you want to avoid a good old keel hole, perhaps you can leave us a positive review. It's always good to hear from everyone and, you know, reviews help us grow the show. Plus, we greatly appreciate it, mateys have a question or comment give us a call at 8637pirate we just might play your voicemail on the show you can also give us a shout out at podcast at blackpearlshow.com and don't forget to give us a like on facebook all the links are at blackpearlshow.com it is that freaking easy and of course you know what we're doing here we're delivering pirates of the caribbean info to the masses as the dirty freaking filthy bilge rats we are we're analyzing scrutinizing and plundering what are we doing? We're plundering those blockbuster pirate films, just in case Heather missed it because she Thank wasn't you. paying attention. And until then, Scallywags, you know what's going on. Let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum and the scurvy to yourself. Keep that scurvy to yourself. I was waiting for my rum. We've been waiting for rum for a long time. <laughs> a long time. Across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally, what life will piracy? Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Captain Blood. 
you've been listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Six Nail Coffin, Tommy Wynn, and to the incredible pirate band Black Bones. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.